Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each week. I'm Christopher Mitchell. And I'm Allison Green. And today we are anxious about conflict. fills me with a little bit of anxiety I don't even I have conflict with the word conflict me too I have heavy heavy conflict with the word conflict I'm kind of shuddering over here like it's cold or something like I'm wiggling (laughs) around a little bit (laughs) that's how uncomfortable (laughs) conflict I am (laughs) and even discussing this in the most neutral possible scenario is a little bit and at the same i i agree this very e and and i but i think as well that the fact that it causes that kind of trepidation and as you said it so eloquently e yeah, i think that's like that's why this that's why we know this is the next episode up right yeah it was one of those ones so behind the scenes chris and i um don't really plan things very well it's usually like the day before where we text each other and are like hey what should we do and normally we bounce around like five ideas off each other and each one i'm like okay, that's kind of all right. Or yeah, okay, maybe this. But when he said conflict, I was like, yes, we need to do that because I really suck at conflict. And it's probably the number one thing that I'm working on just like as an individual right now. And I think honestly, anyone who is living through COVID-19 right now is probably um, working with conflict in a way that they maybe didn't have to in the past. Um, so I think it's a super relevant topic and as terrified as I am to talk about it, I'm also slightly excited, but first, before we like get off to the races, um, let's check in with each other, Chris. Uh, so on a scale of one to panic shrieking, how are you doing today? Well, the good news is I'm not panic shrieking. Uh, that's something I'm pretty happy about. All right. Panic shrieking. Yeah. So, but I don't know if it's bad news necessarily, but um, I think it's like important that when we check in each week, we honestly check in. And I think this week was just difficult for difficult for me for, for, I don't know. I don't know. I think really just um, in my heart of hearts, I try my best to be a real optimist about things um, or at least like a non-pessimistic realist. And so this week, I think, I think yesterday, like the full brunt of trying to maintain um, some sort of like positive equilibrium or like just trying to stay on the positive side of things sort of got to me. And, uh, you know, the cards kind of fell down a little bit, but that's okay. Um, I think the main thing actually kind of because we do this podcast, I was looking at the whole situation analytically and just kind of. I just tried to channel that voice that was like, no, this is like, this is okay. You know, this is, this is all part of it. I also had to realize, which is something which is difficult sometimes with anxiety. It's really um, hard to forget that there's probably millions of people who felt the exact same way yesterday. And so I, I I didn't take solace in the misery of others, you know, (laughs) but I, but I did, I did try to remember that this is not some sort of, hyper unique situation to me. We're, we're all struggling in our own way. 
Um, and I'm happy that today I woke up feeling better, probably still, uh, maybe a five or six just from that kind of residual effect of things. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I didn't, it's funny we're talking about conflict Bree and I never go to sleep angry at each other is kind of a rule we have and so I tried to make sure I didn't go to sleep angry at myself and I took the steps I needed to to do that I went for a long walk and then uh, I played some video games with my best buddy online for an hour and then I read uh, a book that I'm really enjoying uh, by um, Phil Jackson, uh, who's the coach, uh, former coach who won 11 championships in the NBA and it's a book called 11 rings. And it just talks about his philosophies around leadership and all this kind of stuff. And, and I ended the day feeling like I'm okay. I got this tomorrow. So I think there's, um, kind of, I guess in a classic and, uh, meta sort of way, there's a silver lining even to that little story there. Um, and I'm happy to be feeling that sense of optimism again. And not necessarily optimism, but just like, I guess, just feeling like it's okay if the bottom drops out for one day. Like it's it doesn't mean that the bottom dropped out for the month, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I have periods where I go through just real pessimism, where I kind of can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I have a really hard time envisioning what the world is going to look like. And that scares the hell out of me in a way that mm -hmm. like I never would have really thought about in the past. Like I always just kind of assumed the world would go on in sort of like ways in which made sense to me. Like pr progress would be something that was sensible or sensical, sensical. And now it's just like, oh, no, the future is going to be nonsense and I have no way of predicting it. And I still just have to wake up each day and just continue to do things. Can I so can I share? I actually tweeted this earlier today and uh, I, I actually feel like this is heavily applicable. So I um, shared like a technique that I've been using to like when you go into that spiral of worry. Yeah, you I, I learned it kind of through a number of different meditation practices and things I've been reading and so on. Um, so when you go into a spiral of worry, you take a moment to think about whether the worry is related to the past, the present or the future. Mm -hmm. And if it's not related to the present, you take some deep breaths and, and try to reset to the moment that you're in because you, we realize like, it's actually not terribly helpful to go into a spiral of worry about the future. And it's usually not helpful to go into a spiral of worry about the past. And so you, you sort of think about where is this worry, past, present, or future, and, it, and then take those deep breaths and it helps you realign to the moment. Nice, nice. Yeah. I have a terrible time doing that, but I should try to do that because I'm always thinking about the future. It's kind of my thing. Like, I just remember being a kid even and just like lying awake in bed at night, obsessed with the future, whether that was like a year from, I like imagine myself like, going to college or, you know, being, working in a job. I just had to like, I would spend hours each night not able to sleep, imagining possible futures for myself. I really am super bad at living in the present. And so that's useful to note because now it's like a, a lot less like, oh, wow, this is what my imaginary life as a marine biologist would be. It's more like, oh, my God, <laughs> what's going to happen if there's never a vaccine and I have to get a real job, but what what kind of real job am I even qualified for? Oh my God, well, I Allison, can't you go to a call center. You don't have to worry about that because when this podcast makes it big, 
we're both just going to double down on I'm Anxious About. Don't you Perfect. know that? Yeah. <laughs> Buy that merch, listeners. <laughs> yeah, we don't have merch yet. No. But like, if we if we start trying to sell merch, you know we're in real trouble. So you buy up, baby. <laughs> and I guess um, I went on a uh, fairly sizable, um, I'm not sure tirade is the right, right word, but I went on an extended, uh, extended monologue. So I shall give you the opportunity to do the same if you so you... choose. Did you give us a number? I don't recall if there was a number oh. in there. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm bad. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I said okay. five or six. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah I yeah. just, um, are we going to have a Wonderful. conflict right now? Allison? Yeah, I wasn't fully listening um, because I was actually, I was like trying to find a headline while you were doing that um, because I read somewhere and I was trying to find the headline to see if it was true, but I, I read somewhere that some people with anxiety are actually feeling slightly better in lockdown because at least they know that like everyone is feeling the same thing. And they don't feel like the crazy mm. ones. So I was like, and that's just my, like, I read this three months ago and am trying to summarize it really quickly after I couldn't find the headline after Googling it during Chris's <laughs> opening <laughs> bit <laughs> while pretending to active listen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the summary of it. And I just thought that was interesting because um, while I've definitely had some more anxiety at times, I've also, like macro level had some less anxiety wow that was a dumb sentence but um (laughs) let's just go with it um big picture a lot of the things that really should stress me out like I think for most human beings losing 95% of your income would come as a bit of a shock but I was just kind of like whatever and like because I know that every single person in my industry is going through basically the exact same and that mm-hmm. kind of lo- lightens, not loosens, loosens the pressure. I, I cannot speak. Um, it lightens the pressure a little. <laughs> is that even the right word either? Lightens the pressure? Yeah. yeah okay. I, I mean, I think I think one way or another, it, it's whether or not it is a phrase, your phrase communicates what you need to say. So it's a phrase. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it does lighten up the pressure a bit to know that like you're not failing, literally the whole world is failing and it's okay. Um, yeah. So misery loves company, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's at a festival. Um, but yeah. Okay. So are you going to ask me or do I have to like ask myself? Are we going to have a conflict? No, I'm that? not going to. Well, I was thinking just like maybe I would just not active listen for a second and just put you out there, but I don't have it in my heart to do that. So No, you don't. No, I don't. We all know that. So Allison, my friend, the great listener that you are, <laughs> um, won't you kindly tell us how you're feeling today? <laughs> um, Let's see. I don't really know. Um, <laughs> cool. That's fair yeah. too. <laughs> I have like kind of a recurrence of that like really fun um is it coronavirus or is it just anxiety uh things I actually posted about this in the um we're anxious about Facebook group uh that's a plug in case you didn't yeah. you didn't realize join, that, join, that was join, a plug join. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um where you know I've just been having this like sort of random ch- chest tightness and I'm like am I sick or is it just you know garden variety anxiety 
and it's most garden variety. Yeah, Sorry, it's almost always the latter. Um, but like cases are spiking here, and um, God, what did our prime minister say today? It was amazing. Um, something like discipline is not our strong suit, therefore measures have to be re-implemented. <laughs> So um, that's happening here in Bulgaria. We're about to go probably back into another lockdown. So a little bit of fear of that possibly happening. Um, And just sort of, yeah, general, what is the world we live in kind of ennui and not really sure which foundation to rebuild on. (laughs) That's all just kind of like, it just feels like, you're being tasked to build a house on a beach that has very <laughs> loose sand and you're and like, you don't know how t- you don't know how high the tide's coming in <laughs> yeah or if you're in california there's going to be a bunch of earthquakes or if you're in florida and there's just going to be a bunch of hurricanes whatever natural disaster it just all feels possible and mm-hmm. so it's just almost like what's the point <laughs> and so i'm kind of in that what's the point part where i get really inactive which then in and itself creates some anxiety the inaction being like well you're not actually doing anything to help yourself uh dig out of this hole um so that's a little frightening sometimes but i don't know i'm also kind of just like weirdly cool with it at the same time i'm just sort of like yeah whatever so that is a totally unhelpful check-in um, <laughs> do you know what though i'm gonna turn this into a little bit of a helpful check-in and realizing that like for one actually being open about that kind of stuff is helpful Two, the other thing i was going to say was that something i'm trying to be cognizant of these days besides worrying about whether my worry is applicable to the present is trying to consider whether what i'm worrying about is actually going to be helpful and so uh, i know that's easier said than done a lot of the time like a lot easier said than done a lot of the time. But I also know that sometimes asking myself that question does tend to help. So I remember like last night I was just talking to Bree and, you know, I just was frustrated, I think in general, just because, you know, I had a lot of different hopes for this year, but I also realized like the way things turned out, they offered different opportunities and different ways that I could engage myself in different projects. I mean, this mm-hmm. project, I probably wouldn't have been able to give myself so much to. So I'm very grateful for that. I'm just trying to remember that. Like, it's very, it's very atypical for me to be like that moment, looking up at the skies, it rains down being like, why, you know, it's like, it's not my modus operandi typically. And so I just kind of thought to myself like, okay, so is continuing this conversation going to be helpful in any way? And instead I went for a walk and listened to a podcast for an hour and I came back feeling like, yeah, this was the right move. Yeah. Um, I feel a lot better. I feel a lot more like myself. It's, sometimes it sounds so annoying because like if you're in the middle of a anxious tailspin or panic shrieking as we had on our scale earlier like it's not exactly easy to be like hey chris or like you know have you uh have you thought about um just taking a moment here and thinking about whether this is helpful <laughs> like you know i think you, you can't always get there but i do think having that question in, in in your mind is helpful overall and then and if only to ask yourself the secondary question which is what is helpful yeah or what would be helpful. Yeah. I've decided that like worrying about my motivation is not helpful. I will work when I'm motivated and not work when I'm not motivated and try not to feel too bad about it, which is something I actually really struggled with before the pandemic. But I think the pandemic has kind of given me permission to be like, yeah, you know what? We're going through like a major trauma. It's okay to have down days. So I'm being like a little more compassionate with myself than I probably would have been pre-pandemic. 
which is, I guess, a good life lesson that I probably could have integrated that earlier in my life. Probably didn't need a novel virus to teach myself some self-compassion, but there we go. But yeah, I've just <laughs> been feeling super kind of like stuck in a rut. So um, tomorrow we're going to go for a hike with the dog and that will hopefully be like, I'm trying to be better about actively choosing to do something when I'm deciding not to work. You know what I mean? Like when I'm like, okay, motivation is zero and that's fine. But today I'm making the decision, the decision to act actively opt to do this. And like, you know, watching Netflix while my back slowly goes into a worse and worse posture is not one of those options. (laughs) No, that's not on the number one list of like doctor recommended, like, okay, you're suffering from anxiety. It's like, I'd recommend, I'd recommend you go on an absurd Netflix binge while your back collapses on itself. (laughs) Which I mean, like that is, that is what I do every night and it always will be. But um, I try not to let myself do that for the whole day. Um, It just leads nowhere and uh, leaves me with very sharp lower back pain that I never used to have before the pandemic. So I I also (laughs) want to point out, I mean, maybe this will be my small one at the end and maybe we should just get started before um, people just uh, not only turn us off, but delete the podcast and just make sure they've Petition cleared their website, clear their website yeah. history, just clear us from their memories. Um, but I like, I think right now it's all about small victories. And like Brie and I went over to my favorite pub in Toronto the other day and they only have the patio open, but I wanted to like support them where I could. So we went over, they're really following the guidelines, uh, everything separated. We went over and just had one pint and you know what? Like that felt good. And so I guess I would, like, I would encourage other people. Weird though, because like I went to have a coffee outside um, and it was the first time I'd had a coffee that like sitting anywhere, but like my own balcony or couch um, that wasn't like a takeout coffee since the pandemic started. And I felt so bizarre. Like I felt like I was jet lagged because it was such a foreign feeling experience to me. I mean, it was, it was strange because that I know I was looking inside at a bar where I always know 50% of the people sitting around it. Yeah. And so that was really peculiar to me. Um, But every, everything's peculiar right now. And I guess I just tried to focus on the small, the solace uh, that I took with the familiarity as opposed to everything else. It still felt like a net positive event. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But like this bar is known for you walk in, you take a bowl and like scoop into this like giant vat of peanuts. um, And then you eat peanuts at your table and just throw them on the floor. Like probably not going to happen again. Yeah. That does not sound Corona friendly. I mean, it sounds too Corona friendly. That's the problem. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So anyways, but I think at the, at the other, on the other end of that, that was, it was still great to be back there. And also, um, Brie and I spend 24 seven together, but don't always spend time in a way that reflects like, oh, look, we're spending time together actively. Um, yeah. and I think, so that was also nice too, to, to, yeah. to actively be like, we're going to go on a little mini date and have a beer and that's going to be awesome. And, and it was really good. And, so I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and I think I already, my number is already going down. I think I, I think I might already be like a 4.3 right now. So wow. get, we've never gotten into points, I don't think. At least not yeah, maybe, tenths, maybe a half. 
but so why don't yeah why don't we just go with four, four. i've dropped okay. i've dropped okay. down to a wow. four wow yeah all right this is good this is good this is good <laughs> should we just say that over and over again? <laughs> this is good maybe if we say it enough we'll believe it <laughs> yeah Exactly. Um, so, I mean, I guess the one thing we can transition from that with is that, that that ending there was kind of the opposite of conflict, but we need to dive back into the heart of the matter, yes. which is that we are anxious about conflict. Uh, oftentimes, we start an episode and we get to say something like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm really anxious about silence, but Allison isn't. Or you get to say, I'm really anxious about bananas, but Chris isn't. Um, today, we get to say we are both all kinds of crazy amounts of anxious about conflict. And maybe that's why it took us 20 minutes to introduce this episode because we're so anxious about conflict that we were just like, let's just chit chat until we forget that we're recording an episode about conflict. <laughs> Did you have fries when you went out for your beer, Chris? How were the fries? Oh like, my God, a- I really want to eat fries outdoors right now. Okay, moving on, moving on. <laughs> we can't, we can't do it, Allison. We, we got to go back and we, do it. We can't go back, Okay. Um, but yeah, I am utterly petrified of conflict. It's probably, if I'm actually being serious, my number one anxiety. Um, and especially conflict with loved ones, but also just like conflict with like random people or potential perceived conflict in business situations, such as like negotiations or even like something being wrong with like an order to me is like a form of conflict and like unless the order is like so terribly wrong that I can't consume it I will always just like take what I'm given um because I don't want the conflict of like sending something back and I just like if something goes wrong I'll like get really huffy about it and be like oh I'm gonna I'm going to call and complain. I'll never call and complain. I'll just just (laughs) complain to whoever has the misfortune of being around me about how shitty that was. And then I'll never actually call anyone's manager. Like I threaten. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I hope no one, like, I hope there's not like all of, you have a huge sort of Bulgarian restaurant uh, audience that listens to this and they're like, okay, so we're good. We're good. (laughs) We can just serve her crap again. Give her whatever. Send Scara her way. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, I, obviously, I, I resonate with that as well. I, I, I really do everything I can to avoid conflict. Um, and, I, and I want to, not only that, but I'll like go into situations to make sure that others aren't in conflict. I will take on the emotional labor of playing mediator. And I think that, I don't know what about me yells that I'm fucking Switzerland, but um <laughs> But everyone, uh, I, I think everyone sees me as uh, some sort of neutral party, which I think is probably a good thing overall. But I, it can be a little draining sometimes when I have two good, really good buddies who are like, they're messaging me about this issue or that. And I don't really love trauma. I find it really draining. Um, I think when, whenever there's conflict that's ongoing, uh, I find perhaps more than anything else, it can just uh, drown out my thought processes and motivation in other areas. And, and the other problem, I guess, as well, just for people who are anxious is that, uh, and we talk a lot about this and, and, and often talk about uh, like 
the sort of objective nature of things, but it, it can be really difficult to be objective. And so how can you make a ruling on conflict when you're so unable to be objective about how angry you should be or how much value you have in a situation or all of these kinds of things? And I mentioned before we started recording that I'd written down the phrase that oftentimes in conflict, I feel like you know, a fairly adept lawyer, but I'm also playing the role of the unfair judge who's going to rule against me if given the chance, yeah. you know? So um, I touched upon a number of things there that I'm sure you'll want to dive into. Yeah, I definitely relate a lot to the thing about having a hard time being objective about conflict. Um, I find that because I avoid conflict so much, it inevitably gets to a point where it boils over and is unavoidable. And that's when it gets scary because I become the Hulk and I am like incapable of logical thought. I double down so much. I get so defensive, so angry, but that clouds my thinking to the point that like, I forget what I'm even saying. And I just start to feel kind of panicked because like, I feel, to use your lawyer metaphor, like, I feel like a lawyer who had like a million great arguments, like all written on a stack of papers. And then a breeze just like came in and just threw all the papers around the courtroom. And then I'm just like, <laughs> trying to gather all my incredibly valid arguments, but like, none of them are coming to me. Which is fun, like, because like, it's a very unfamiliar feeling to me to feel like, kind of lost for words like I normally can sort of assert myself quite well and express myself rather well um but for some reason when I'm in conflict it's like that part of my brain is like the the fear part of my brain is so activated that it like is just cutting out every other part of my brain and it's just like fear anger response and no rational thinking can even like warm its way in which makes me a really great person to fight with um which is why I try not to fight with people like a lot of my closest friends I've never had a fight with them and that's probably because I don't know how many fights we could have and still be friends <laughs> right right I mean that's that's a that's a good point and I I'm the same way I'm very rarely in 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 fights with people and Bree and I have been together for 11 years this August and you know I can count the amount of serious fights we've had, had on one hand um you know but that's largely because before things spiral out of control we both sort of bring it down to a reasonable level um i think both being former or i'm she's still a teacher i was a former educator does help with with things but uh, i certainly wear it worse um and i mean <laughs> that in two ways you know if we're in any sort of conflict i can't relax until it's uh until it's settled and it will eat away at me yeah same. um it just sort of it totally envelops me and the other thing that i i think probably a lot of listeners might resonate with is that I think conflict can be a little bit more dramatic or intense for people with anxiety. And, and for my case, a little, there's a little bit of ADHD aspect to this as well, but it's the nature of like, I can remember with utter clarity, particular sentences, which, you know, I, I'm worried could be misinterpreted and add to the conflict. And so mm -hmm. when, when we part from the conflict after the conversation, which could be used to like disseminate the conflict, then I start to become anxious about anything I may have said in the process of trying to solve the conflict 
and I'll obsess over that and catastrophize that. So I have to be careful not to go into a bit of a tailspin. Thankfully, I'm not in situations of conflict too much, but when I am, you know, I guess sound the alarms. It's like, it's a heavy time for me. And I, you know. Yeah. I really struggle with, um, when things aren't resolved and the conflict is still just like boiling over. Like I hate going to bed still with unresolved conflict. I think that the silent treatment is basically a form of psychological torture. Um, (laughs) I'm very against it. And it's been something that I've really had to sort of learn how to navigate to figure out a way Or, like, me and my partner can, like, meet in the middle. So, like, I have to not be the Hulk. He has to not run away from me screaming. And that's sort of the compromise we need to make in order for us, like, both not to go insane. Um, But, yeah, like, initially he would kind of clam up for, like, you know, a day or a couple days at a time. And it would just, like, eat me up inside because we'd have this, like, lingering, unresolved air to everything. And I think... A lot of people who have anxiety are also very intuitive, or at least I feel like I'm very intuitive and very like perceptive to like, excuse my California vibes and energy. Um, (laughs) Let me just put away my crystals. Um, But I do feel like very, um, I do feel very perceptive to emotions and like emotional frequencies in the room. And when, like, my um, vibe dar is going off that there are bad vibes present, I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh, I can't, I can't relax. I can't, like, self-soothe and um, get my mind on something else. Like, even though I know you can't poke someone, well, you can poke someone into conflict with you, which is usually this doesn't end well. But, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, like... I know that I have to give the other person time to get to the place where they can feel like they can come to the conversation to resolve the conflict rationally. I don't want to wait, even if it means just like, I just want to scream and panic shriek and um, (laughs) all of the above rather than like toil in this like weird state of semi closure. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, that's like, that's always, that's been one of the things that I've been working on getting better at. And I've learned that if you stop being the Hulk and going from zero to 100 right away, people are more likely to engage with you and not give you the silent treatment. So (laughs) I'm working on that a little bit. (laughs) I like that. I think that's a I think it's an important epiphany. And for me as well, I often like to get things settled right away. But shocking, it turns out giving yourself a moment to process things is pretty helpful. Um, And I think uh, there's, of course, a big aspect of me that's really reactionary. And typically, it's a good thing because I'm like, I get excited by something and I'm like, I'm going to chase that goal, you know, but Mm -hmm. in the world of conflict, I, I don't send messages right away if I'm upset about something. I don't send emails right away if I'm upset about something because I there can be a sense, at least for, for me, I can only speak to myself, where like something needs to happen right away or I can't calm down. Yeah. But you forget that the person on the other side of that 
probably isn't feeling that same impending, <laughs> like this needs to happen right away. Right. And so right. give yourself half an hour or 45 minutes or an hour to think about it. That it can like often torture, provide a lot of clarity. But I'm sure it's great advice, but that actually sounds like torture. <laughs> so I, I, I was listening to a podcast a little while, shocking, um, a little while ago. What? You listen to yeah, podcasts I know. and you don't I know, just listen strange. to yourself on your walks? Yeah, I know. What, what is podcasting? Um, there was somebody who was talking about uh, meditation in general, but I think this really, this actually, um, the metaphor that he used really applies to anxiety in general. And that is that, like he was talking about how meditation is sort of like you have a, a muddy, think about like a muddied mind and that uh, meditation is actually letting that mud settle to get clarity in the water. So in the same way, like if you're going in a lake and you, and you like, you can see the bottom until you jump in and there's dust up everywhere, but ultimately that, that dust and that mud and all that stuff settles. Right. right. So I, th I think that a metaphor applies very well to conflict with anxiety and ADHD because it's like, you probably don't want to catch fish, uh, when the water's at its muddiest, you know what I mean? Like give, yeah. give it a second for the water to settle. Yeah. I need to get better at that. I can really... I'm usually pretty calm until I pretty much just fly into a rage and it's like either zero or 11. Um, I really like spinal tap. I will never stop referencing 11. Um, so just, just deal with it world. Um. <laughs> can I also, can I also just like politely interrupt to, yeah, I, 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 I realized what, you know, how each episode I, I, there's always like one sentence that I feel like could be your memoir. Yeah. Um, so I have a, I figured out the title for your memoir for this episode. Can you guess what it is by any chance? Zero to 11. Oh, also really good. I was <laughs> going to go, I, I, I was going to go with excuse my California. Oh, okay. That's also excellent. I really like that. Um, me and my best friend, Jess, we always like, um, Cause we like, uh, we write poems, um, and like workshop each other's poetry and stuff when we're chatting. Um, we'll like always be like title of our next poetry collection. And it's always something like absolutely ridiculous, but would actually totally work. So that's like, that's like our version <laughs> of like title of my memoirs, like title of my collection. <laughs> Some good ones have come <laughs> well, up, I love it. none of which are coming to me at the moment because of course they wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course not. Why would they? Uh, nothing yeah. comes to you when you need it. Come not. on. Um, but actually that brings me to one thing that we wanted to discuss, um, in this episode is that we actually did a bit of homework, um, before we did this episode, which is bizarre for us. Um, and by a bit of homework, <laughs> I mean that I Googled like conflict anxiety, like 30 minutes before we recorded and was reading a couple articles. I found some interesting ones actually, which we'll link in the show notes, which we actually haven't had until now, but we will start to have them because that's what real podcasts do. Um, but we'll link them in the show notes. Um, that is a commitment. <laughs> and now it's a thing. So show notes exist now. Um, but anyway, uh, was doing uh, some research and read some interesting articles and I stumbled across this TED talk that I was like, hey, Chris, this TED Talk looks super interesting. Um, let's watch it before we record so we can just have something to refer to during the show. And it's a 2012 TED Talk from Margaret, Mar sorry, Margaret Hefferman. And um, the title is Dare to Disagree. And it's all about um, the benefits of conflict. 
and sort of how necessary conflict is in our society and how conflict is not necessarily a destructive force, but it can also be an act of critical thinking and it can also be an act of love. And uh, we won't assume that you've seen this TED Talk, so we'll just talk about it super briefly. But I had two things come out of it that I thought were um, really interesting. And one is that ultimately, and this is really hard for me to conceptualize as someone who, again, turns into the Hulk when I'm having conflict, but um, conflict (laughs) and committing the energy to actually go through a conflict is a way of love, of showing love. And that seems a little ridiculous, but when you think about it, you wouldn't fight for something that you don't believe in, unless you're like an internet troll being like paid by Putin to just, you know, stir up shit. But anyway, if you're actually just like really fighting, um, that that's always coming from a place of love, either love for a cause that you believe in, if you're standing up for something you believe to be right, Um, If it's love for your partner and wanting your relationship to work, love for the work that you do and for wanting your work to be better or your coworkers work to be better. Like the reason why I brought this up exactly when I did is because I was thinking about my friend Jess and I and how we workshop each other's poetry and going line by line and sort of critiquing people's messages and poetry is a very vulnerable art form you feel kind of like a shitty person going in and being like, I don't think this is right. I don't think this is right. But it's actually really deep down. It's an act of giving respect to the work. I just heard Kotu meow. Hi, Kotu. Kotu is, is, um, oh my God, I'm like literally losing your name, Chris's cat. It's like that time that I was like trying to get something out of the refrigerator while staring at the refrigerator and going, it's in the, it's in the, in, in the cold the, box. The box. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love that. Like that was probably, it was the most, it was such an enriching educational dialogue that I was like, oh, this is great. And then Koto is like, mm, he's like, comes to the door. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, and and for, for people who don't know, because they may not, Kotu is the cat that Brie and I adopted as a kitten in Istanbul, and we got him all his shots, and we brought him back to Canada with us. He's saying hi. Yeah, there he is. You can come Aww. on my lap, buddy. We love Kotu. You can um, come on my lap. I would say that he'd be He's our so mascot, good. but... I don't like mascots, and also Rocky would be our mascot, my Bulgarian street dog. So, <laughs> both both of them could share the mascot dues. Both both came from, but both uh, demonstrate the the idea that uh, we can come from humble beginnings yes, from and the Balkan great. streets to spoiled <laughs> on people's couches. <laughs> exactly. So, as you were saying, I have Coach in my lap cool. now, so I think we're good to continue yeah. on if he doesn't need too cool. pesky. Um. So anyway, uh. The part I think I trailed off at is that workshopping is a form of love. Any sort of constructive conflict is an act of love, whether you're doing it to defend a relationship or a cause you believe in. You can cut this out because I'm just repeating myself all the time. But anyway, uh, no, 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 but yeah, no, that's basically no, the point is that there there is usually love behind the conflict. And that's important to remember because sometimes you can just get so caught up in the negative emotions of the conflict that you forget 
that the only reason why you're fighting is because you actually love the person and you want things to be good. And then the other thing that I thought was really interesting, and then I'll let you talk about some of your takeaways from this TED Talk, um, was that, um, and I'm paraphrasing this, but um, creating conflict enables people to do their best thinking. And she gave a lot of examples in the scientific community about how um, conflict actually is incredibly necessary in making sure that things are safe and useful and ultimately where they need to be in order to serve people. And I think that that's really important to do in general is not to be afraid to create conflict. And I think that we can also think about this like in the current context of Black Lives Matter and being more aware of trying to be a better ally in aspects of our life. At some point, we're going to need to create conflict amongst people in order to advance the rights of others, whether that means, um, for example, like making sure that when you accept a work campaign or a work project, making sure that it's a diverse and inclusive project that a variety, I'm speaking about the travel industry here, that like a variety of perspectives and individuals are going to be invited on the trip. So you don't end up with like, like an all white, super skinny beach model, you know, press trip when, when, you know, that is like 10% of the population, if even. And so um, I think it's about like, that conflict may feel uncomfortable to just start bringing up things that maybe weren't being addressed in the initial conversation, but actually need to be addressed. And then you can help people get to the point where they're doing the thinking that they need to think like, oh, well, she brought up that she doesn't want to do campaigns unless they're inclusive. Well, hmm, have we thought about inclusivity and what does that look like for us? Like that's one way in which like creating conflict can actually be beneficial. Am I making sense or am I just? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I think we're going to need to get better at creating conflict and creating conflict sometimes amongst people we love, not even necessarily in business, but um, challenging people if uh, a line of thinking or something that they say could be hurtful or just hasn't really, they haven't really analyzed the way in which um, what they're saying could potentially harm someone. I think that we need to not be afraid of creating conflict. And again, in this like current context of Black Lives Matter, I realized there are many times in which I failed as an ally to actually really speak up and say something to um, coworkers who were saying things that were kind of covertly harmful. And I knew at the time I could hear that, like, I was like, I don't like how that sounds. Or like, there's a subtext there that I'm uncomfortable with. But because of my fear of conflict, I wouldn't, I didn't say anything at the time. And as we've sort of been, as I've been reading a lot more about um, anti-racism, I've realized all the times in which I didn't speak up and how that always came from a fear of creating conflict with others. And now I guess I've learned that it's more important to create the conflict and just let the consequences fall 
wherever they may, because it's an important thing that you need to do because it comes from a place of love because you want that person to be a better person for their own self and for also for the rights of like an entire community that's whose rights and lives are at stake. So it is an act of love in both ways. It's not an act of just being annoying. It's like an act of like, I care for you. Let me tell you how what you're saying is harmful to yourself and others. And also like, I want to stand up for like this group of people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, firstly, I think that's, I'm, I'm happy one that you thought of the idea to, to watch. Um, sorry, I'm just closing the door here because Carly's just hopped out. Um, I think it was a great idea to watch it. And it, and also this is something we're trying to do more is incorporate, you know, extracurricular texts in here, which can allow for some different discussion. And I think this is an important discussion. And just to add on to some of what you were saying, all of which I think is really important to consider through the lens of being a human being, but also through anxiety is just the idea. Uh, firstly, that I just wanted to bring up that I'm defensive by nature, and I know you are as well. But if you're looking at the lens of, of what you just talked about, we can start to think about ways that people who are coming to us sometimes perhaps inciting some conflict uh, or what we perceive as as conflict in one way, perhaps they're just trying to help us grow and be better and, mm -hmm. and, and examine something. And so starting off being defensive can be a little bit, um, can, can be a disservice to yourself. So that's something to remember, uh, I think. And, and I appreciated during that TED talk, uh, just talking about how think like it's important actually to have thinking partners and people around you who aren't echo chambers. Um, mm -hmm. I really like that notion because like this podcast, for example, would be very dry and boring if we were the same person with the same, you know, same issues around anxiety. I mean, it's a good thing that uh, when we talked about our colors and flavors of anxiety, I was, I think I was uh, some, like a dull gray and I can't remember what my flavor was, but you were, and you were bright red and ube. <laughs> And oh, my, my flavor was bitter. So it's good. It's good that we're both not red and ube and that we're, we have different, you know, colors and flavors around this because it's important that, that uh, it's important for, for people listening as well, that they can identify perhaps more with one of us than the other, or that we're offering different viewpoints, or at the very least on a macro level that we're showing that anxiety yeah. isn't one thing. So I appreciated that in that lens. And the only other thing I was going to talk about just before we get hop back into things, although this really is kind of on um, on target, is just that uh, the notion that we should yeah. be prepared to change our minds. Uh, I think part of our job, especially with anxiety, is to make sure that we're constantly challenging the beliefs that we think are true um, and, and can be really damaging sometimes. So, you know, for example, if you have a belief that you aren't a really intelligent person or you don't have a lot to offer in a group setting, well, then you're probably going to go into a group setting and not feel inclined to talk and you're never going to get the chance to, to figure out, you know, if you were right. I mean, hopefully you don't go in there and you're like, well, I really am stupid. Um, but you know, all <laughs> jokes aside, I, I think that there are some things which people with anxiety hold to be true, kind of like the 10 commandments that you think I am this, I am that I am this. And part of your job to to grow with anxiety is to challenge those things and realize, you know, it's kind of like you go to the stone tablet and then you blow on it and, and you realize it's, it's not actually written in stone. It's written in chalk, <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that metaphor exactly. served well enough. I mean, 
I, I haven't gone too deep on the metaphors this episode, so we had to slip into something. <laughs> no, Chris, Chris, this is like your third or fourth <laughs> metaphor. Like I was just about to say, like, where's the metaphor count? You know, Brie should set up a jar in the house and every time you use a metaphor, you should have to put $5 in there. And whenever she gets to $5 or to like $60, which would be like, you know, every other day, she can go treat herself to a massage. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious to mention that because we were talking last night it was like a, we were talking about this that and the other and i used a metaphor and she's like no you, you can save the metaphor it's okay bet she wouldn't be saying that if there was a metaphor jar just saying. i'm gonna make sure she doesn't listen to this episode so that we yeah just just sneak onto her phone and delete it off of the queue assuming <laughs> she's subscribed I'm being very presumptuous here. She's probably like, goodbye. I hope hope she does. But like, (laughs) the real question is, how much deeper does she want to burrow into my brain? You know, like, probably not that much more. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very happy to say that my husband does not listen to my podcast. (laughs) I think, I don't think Brie does. He's like, I've had enough. I don't think Brie does, uh, which is good. Uh, I think she, like, she might, but... You know, she, again, she hears, I think, uh, quite honestly, in the same way that it's weird for you and I to hear our own voices when we listen to podcasts, I think it's like, it's the same for your partner who you're with all the time a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah. He probably is like, I get so little time away from her. The last thing I want to do is have her voice in my head in the few moments <laughs> of peace I get. <laughs> he said once to me, like, I'm, I'm not listening to your podcast. You're okay with that, right? I'm like, yes, please. That's awesome. <laughs> do Thank not. You. no just because like i don't know it's just like it's like you know hearing your voice on a on an answering machine is it just it would feel weird you know like like i just i don't need my voice on on headphones and someone else's ears that i know so friends friends look away look away listen away whatever Just, just just don't let me know you listen unless you really like us and then fine. Okay. Then I guess my yeah, vanity I will, wins I will out. The big stats and the big growth <laughs> and the, uh, the big sponsorship. So I'm actually going to encourage all friends to listen tell your friends. Um, I want like extended family in on this Allison. I want you to reach out to extended family, just send it out, um, get a big newsletter going and just say, listen and critique. Does that sound like something you'd enjoy? My extended family is like a baker's dozen. Same so here. yeah, I have a tiny family. So we won't, we won't, sale to a netflix special on the back of my extended family Either. but i do know um i some of my uh family does actually listen and i have one cousin in particular who's really enjoying the show so i um and i offered her yeah. i was like hey maybe you'd want to come on the show sometime and she's like um i'm good but like keep up the great work and i was like i appreciate your support. she's wonderful yeah actually i know my mom does listen because she's like hey i'm not as bad at facetime as you say and i'm like oh shit <laughs> gotta stop with the lies <laughs> yeah <laughs> in in my defense it did take her about four years um, but she learned it in the end <laughs> fantastic anyway um i just wanted to um bring it quickly back to one last conflict uh source i suppose that we didn't really address i kind of teased it a little at the beginning but one source of conflict for me or I guess style of conflict, I'm not really sure exactly how to phrase it, but um, just standing up for myself in terms of like work situations and especially negotiations, to me, that just feels super difficult to 
to do because Chris and I both work as travel bloggers, which used to be a profession. Now we're basically the travel agents of 2020. But um, <laughs> we, um, sorry, any existing travel agents now i'm afraid that we're gonna get like picketed by the travel agents union but um (laughs) yeah um you're you're still necessary um you haven't been made redundant um by bloggers um but anyway um (laughs) i know that's the point (laughs) this is is you're gonna cause conflict from our conflict episode (laughs) oh no oh no um but anyway um because our industry (laughs) okay now you can continue conflict anyway whatever set it burn that bridge set it on fire walk away um because our industry is so new relatively speaking setting prices on your work feels almost like make believe and like sure you may talk to fellow content creators about like what your work is worth but at the end of the day I always feel like I'm just like picking a number like out of my out of a hat I was like trying to say out of my head out of a hat whatever picking a number out of a hat and just like going with it and I at some point started to realize I was lowballing myself And then I realized that I need to go with whatever I think my gut number is and then double it because I undervalue myself so much. And then people kept just like blindly accepting that and not negotiating me down. I'm like, wow, I'm really freaking like undervaluing myself if I'm like doubling what I think I should be paid and still getting like an immediate, yep, that sounds great. Let's send over the contract right now. I'm like, shit. So it's really hard for me to know what my worth is and to advocate for myself to get paid well and it's also really difficult for me to like follow up on being paid like lagging invoices and just like nagging people to pay me is not fun and I've definitely let a couple invoices just slip past unpaid because I was afraid of the potential conflict of like pursuing them being like hey um I've asked you a couple times about this and they probably would have paid me if I had nagged them harder, but I was just so afraid of conflict that I was just like, (laughs) and just ran away. (laughs) And by ran away, I mean sat in front of my inbox with my hands perched over the keyboard while doing absolutely nothing. (laughs) I'm happy E made a good comeback there. Yeah. It has to. It's a great, it's a lovely it sound. I'm sure our listeners love having that piped right into their eardrums. Definitely makes them want to hit subscribe five stars. I think so. This is a subconscious message. Yeah, like that's, a good, <laughs> that's a good spot just to say really briefly, if you love what we're doing, give us a five-star rating, review and share and all that good stuff. Um, and if you don't want to do that, please don't let it lead to conflict. Yeah. Or if you do, do it on my Twitter, which I never log into. You know, the last time you're like, shoot me a DM there because I'll never get back to you. <laughs> yeah, I'll literally never see it. So you can rage against the machine and I will never nice. know. I mean, way to fit a band name in there as well. I did want to respond to kind of what you were talking about there. Um, it can be really difficult when you're pricing yourself out and your own self-esteem and the way you value yourself fluctuates. And I think eventually I got much better at understanding what my value was 
especially when I started working with other people and looked at their approach and looked at their rates and this kind of stuff and realized I was really inherently undervaluing myself. I really only discovered that that was a natural tendency of mine when I had to price things for myself and figured out like, oh, I really am lowballing myself sometimes. And I also realized like I'm kind of a perfectionist. So I was writing articles that were, you know, they were sent and they were like edited perfectly, ready to go. All my photos were edited, this, that, and the other. I did start to realize that I, I deserved more, but I, I think that's a really worthwhile thing to bring up. It can be easy when you um, have issues with anxiety or, or mental health in general to try and say you're having a day where you're not feeling um, terribly up to fight. And then you have to negotiate a contract or a battle to get money back or whatever. And it's it kind of, I think, uh, circles back to what you were talking about with the paying for a cab to get into town or not going to the 30 day festival. It's like, it's almost like yeah. that. Like, well, I'm owed whatever, $275. And uh, at, at this point, like the emotional strain and stress and all have built up and I've been, I've been writing on my list for two months and all this, that there. And you're just like, I can't do it anymore. Like, and you, you, you figure you're, you're again, sort of like paying, you're paying a service fee to, in that instance, to be rid of that feeling of anxiety, which is like plaguing you. Yeah, I know. I wish there was a button to just make myself forget like an invoice and just be like, oh, it's not in the system anymore. Still, sometimes like four four years later, I'm like, I never followed up on that thing. I wonder if it's too late. And you're like, Allison, if it's from 2017, it's probably There's a different point person. Like, they probably... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So um, all this is to say, um, if you're really bad at conflict, you might not be the best freelancer. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not great at conflict, but I started, I used programs like software programs that they sent out really professional, like somewhat ambiguous looking invoices, which would auto send. I could resend as many times as I needed to. And that ended up being really helpful for me for, because I wasn't really sending it. It was like, I like I had my logo yeah. at the top and all this kind of stuff. And I would send it off. And also for me, I, I just got obsessed with collecting and like, I, I have all sorts of systems, which um, were probably anxiety inducing if I started to get into, but uh, I definitely, uh, <laughs> I was, I had no problem getting into some pretty, um, I'd say like Canadian harassment, you know, it was like, it was, it was, it was, it was, yeah, <laughs> it was polite, polite and measured and like, Poking yeah, exactly. it was never like, it never got to the point where, um, it, there were any caps used in the email, but, uh, but I, I always made sure I was, I was compensated where, where necessary, but I also understand where you're coming from as well. I think I just need to come up with like a really bitchy go-getter fake yeah. assistant and just sign all my emails as as her and just be like, um, bitch, this is overdue. <laughs> yeah, well, you need to say. Kind regards. Exactly. Jennifer. Yeah. Re <laughs> regards, Jennifer, co-author of Excuse My California. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like that idea. That's a, I think that's that's a clever idea. Uh, we have somehow broached uh, the long time mark, um, close to one hour. I believe that's that called, called an, an hour. hour. Yes, uh, which which. Yes, I know you use the metric yes. system in Canada, but here in the good old mm -hmm. U.S. of A. slash Bulgaria, yeah, you guys use hours. feet. Uh, we use feet as well, but you guys use miles. We use kilometers. 
you guys uh, use time and we use just general description. Okay, that's that's very useful. I'm sure your scientists are really accurate. They are, yeah. So whereas you would say an hour, we would say long time. And uh, that's just something... <gasps> About three rounds of hockey. Exactly. Yeah. Is hockey played in rounds? It, it's played in periods, know. actually. Um, that's very, okay. em- very embarrassing. So it... it <laughs> for you or for me? For you. Uh, and... <laughs> Three periods, each period is 20 minutes. So you're actually right. Three periods of hockey is an hour. (laughs) That's fantastic. That's that's the best part about it is it actually is an hour that you're referring to. Um, I've only seen one hockey game in my life. So I actually did not know that because there's no way I remember that from like seven years ago. Well, there you go. It just goes to show how... We're we're a we're a, a fortuitous and 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 fateful podcast. You know things just line up where they where they must. So look at us go. Here to fourth, can we promise to refer to the one hour mark as the three hockey periods? Yeah. Well, we're now three hockey periods in. Yeah, and for anybody who's listening for the first time, they're gonna be like, "These people are bananas." And then, of course, in your head, you would already scold them, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I just had to do a deep breath before I started some conflict with you. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, since we've passed the long time, three periods of hockey, one hour mark, is there anything is there <laughs> anything else that you wanted to touch upon as far as conflict goes? Um, No, but as a resolution to this episode, we did want to just sort of chat about a couple things that we have found useful in our own lives in dealing with conflict as profoundly anxious and conflict averse people. So there are a couple techniques that we've learned that who knows if they're actually good techniques. These are just things that we do or have heard other people tell us to do, but then ignored that advice. Um, But for me, uh, one thing that's been helpful is trying to, um, trying to temper my initial reaction and I do try to not react but just like pause reflect and then act you know and it's really easy to just start flying off the handle immediately but I'm trying to get better key keywords trying and um well that's one word so key word trying um i can i can handle plurals what's up um, anyway uh just working on that initial reaction because that really sets the tone for what the whole conflict will be and then it has just a, a total what's that when you put something in a bit compound interest um it has like it, it pays off sort of like compound interest if you start the conflict on a more positive, less emotionally charged note, which I know is not always possible. And like, let's be realistic about that, that you can't always just like take like a Buddha ass deep breath and then just like, you know, be like, it would appear as if sometimes my perception is that there's some negativity. Like I'm doing a very weird hand gesture. Could you hear my hand gesture this time? I'm doing almost like a Dr. Evil like hand clasping kind of gesture. Anyway, oh, I, was I like to narrate like my wispy back I like to and narrate forth. my hand gestures because I'm Italian. Um, <laughs> anyway, move on. 
<laughs> I'm embarrassing myself at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so what else did you have on the docket? Was there anything else you wanted to to drop on or do you want me to do you want me to take uh take the wheel? Yeah, I think um just and also one thing that is also been helpful for me is sort of like practicing minor forms of conflict and like actually following up on things that I would have avoided even if they're small like um refusing things or um just saying you know actually that won't work for me things like that that normally I would just sort of suck it up and be like yeah that's fine um I'm trying to be better about accepting small forms of conflict as sort of like practice for the necessary conflict that I need in my life so um that is more related to things like learning how to negotiate and sort of stand up for like my value as a worker and just as an individual as well. Um, But I think it's important to practice conflict in a healthy way as well. Like lead yourself up to a point where you'll be able to, because you know, you've handled smaller things that you can handle some of the bigger things. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think, I think it's pretty clear you know, practicing conflict doesn't mean like you go around setting little mouse traps <laughs> for your partner to step on and things like that and be like, oh, yeah. time to conflict. Um, it's 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 more about just understanding there are some times where you might avoid conflict for something small and it can be worth standing up for yourself and and yeah. uh, and also understanding there are some times where it's going to be inevitable. Like that's that's part of conflict is like you can't you can't unless you're very adept at fishing and hunting and have a cabin 3000 miles in the woods. Uh, you're probably going to face some conflict. And actually, you could argue that uh, even then you'd face conflict with the wildlife around you. Sorry. I've, I've, oh, I've, I'm sure. I'm sure Thoreau would write a whole book on that. I was about to say, I think I've <laughs> my English lit degree is coming out right now. Um, I better yeah. <laughs> put it away. Uh, I mean, there was a few things that I was thinking about in terms of uh, in, in, when I was thinking about helpful tips for people combating conflict. I think one thing that I have a problem with is I give a lot to my friendships. I'm always willing to listen and help somebody else out. And yet I feel like bad if I ever have to go to somebody, any one of those friends, which I've given so much to, to, to say like, I'm not doing the best right now. Like it doesn't feel right. And it's kind of like, well, that's, that's what you put all the time in for. That's the give and take, right? That's, yeah. um, that's what it's all about. Also, I've had some friends, I'm like, you know, guys that are kind of my best buddies. I've known since like grade two or three. And it's, these are people who love me kind of unconditionally. I'm very fortunate in that way. You know, I, I'm allowed to say like, hey, I'm having a pretty crap day. And, you know, usually we just can get together or go hop on a call and whatever and check in with each other. So I think uh, the other reason that talking to a trusted friend is helpful is because sometimes we create something in our mind, which is perceived conflict. And it's great to just talk to someone objectively about, well, is this really a conflict? And sometimes they're going to say, yeah, big time. You got to chase that. You got to follow that up and make sure you handle that. And sometimes they're going to say, you know what, Chris, like knowing you, that's probably just going to end up spiraling into something that's going to cause you more time and anguish than you need. Um, So that's one thing I wanted to bring up. I guess the other thing is just that, yeah, that just that notion that understanding that that conflict's inevitable, we're not going to agree on everything. And uh, conflict can be healthy. And conflict can be a spur for, for growth, you know, it's uh, not every conflict is catastrophic. And it's okay for that to occur. And, and you can, we can all live with that. Those are really the things that I wanted to say just, uh, and, and for me as well, it's about like kind of what you talked about with advocacy. You know, I, I, in the past, uh, if someone sort of 
put forth a plan and, and even if it was a plan like I didn't really want to do for the sake of not causing conflict, I'd be like, yeah, sure, that sounds great. And then I'd kind of be like, I don't know, some like I'd be dealing with or combating subtle misery, you know, throughout the day, like, I didn't like this. And it's like, well, realistically, I should have just stood up and said, like, what if we did this? Or what if we added that in? Or, you know, I think um, it can be really easy with anxiety to fall in the trap of like, like, like you literally made the bed that you're going to sleep in and then you complain about it, you know, and it's like, ultimately, if you had pushed for what you were looking for, you know, like if you, if you wanted to go for a walk and not, I don't know, for me, like up at a cottage or something like that, like if I wanted to go for a walk, but I sat and drank beer all day because everyone else was and because I felt bad, like I kind of made my own bed. Like it'd be better if I just was like, anyone want to go for a walk? Right. Yeah. It's a very um, uh, specific and poor example, but I think people can generally get. No, I think that's a very good example because I often have trouble having the initiative in a group to sort of suggest things. I'm kind of more of a like, I just want to go with a flow kind of thing. But then often I end up feeling kind of annoyed um, with like the group decisions. But it's like, well, I didn't offer any insight. What right do I have to be annoyed? So I think that's kind of important is like, if you want to have a leg to stand on, you have to do something first. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's just as small as putting forth a suggestion, you can't just expect the world to know what you want. You need to actually say what you want in order to get what you want. You can't expect the world to know how to please you. You have to know what you need from the world and tell the world what you need. And that inherently for someone with anxiety is going to feel like conflict because you're basically asserting your right to exist and have opinions. And that can be terrifying. Um, But I think it's important to practice that. I think that's a beautiful note to end on and transition into our final little section here. And I like that we're building out time at the end of episodes now to talk about things that might be helpful for people because, you know, we've been, <laughs> it's weird to say been at this long enough, but uh, <laughs> I think both you and I have had to deal with anxiety for a little bit of time. And so you learn certain things that, that can work. Um, and, and I just want to say I'm enjoying this little addition at the end. I don't know if it's going to happen every time. I don't know if it's going to always happen at the end, but uh, it's good stuff. Also, um, just please note that this is not coming from some like sanctimonious place of like, these are the techniques which we implement perfectly in our lives and our shit doesn't stink because we basically poop out incense. Like, no, we're incredibly flawed human beings who have happened to absorb a nugget or two of useful wisdom that we sometimes implement. Mm -hmm. So just that little caveat, we're sharing things that a lot of the time with anxiety, there's something that you know, but it's not necessarily something that you do. And we're sharing the things that we know and sometimes do. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, that's... that's, Go on, Chris. No, no, no. no, That's that's really important to, to mention. I often know it's the kind of the same way if somebody called me with anxiety and was like, or, or I don't know, just called me in general and asked for help, I probably would be able to offer a pretty good roadmap for them to, you know, to help them. And yet probably, maybe if I was my, myself in that situation, I probably might not do that exact things I needed to, to get out of it, yeah. be successful. So yeah, that's, that's part of it too. And, and sometimes you know what you need to do, but you don't have the strength to do it. There's all sorts of complicated subplots to that um but yeah that it is important that we're not um we are not uh looking down 
Zeus from Mount Olympus, you know, telling you uh, all that that thou hast to know. It's very much more like uh, I was going to say Prometheus, who is like going up and up. <laughs> he goes up. Is that is Prometheus who goes up the yep. hill and he gets knocked back down, up and up and down again? Yeah. yeah. There's also something about like getting his liver eaten by a vulture. I right. Think, well, that's but... not part of the metaphor that I'm using. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're cherry picking the parts of the metaphor. Cherry picking the metaphor, um, and also adding some sort of nice ending to that. Eventually, Prometheus okay. gets the top. Okay? So this is no longer a Greek myth; it's a now a Canadian yeah, myth. I, I just want to leave the liver eating out of it. Okay. <laughs> and then he goes to Tim Hortons and watches three periods of a hockey game. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's. I mean, that's it's the classic Prometheus tale with Timbits and all that stuff. So, yeah. okay, cool. Well, now that uh, you've, I mean, I think you're just about done with your insulting of Canada for this episode. Uh, I won't get too angry at you. You know, it's just jealousy. <laughs> well, now, now I'm. Uh, I have a deep, unconcerning blush on my cheeks. So, <laughs> but thank you. I will hold that forever close to my heart. So uh, now that I'm doing great, can you talk about <laughs> time in the past week where you might not have been doing great, but then something happened and you were, or something you're, um, I guess, better phrased uh, because the transition didn't totally work. Can you let me know of a time in the last week where you're proud of yourself for something that you thought, you know what, uh, this could have gone another way, but I handled this the right way and I am fantastic excuse my california um hmm. well when you put it that way um not really i mean i don't know i had some conflict that made me want to turn into the hulk and i mostly didn't so that's a small win it is bruce banner Um, for the most part yeah yeah i mostly avoided um becoming the hulk mostly stayed in my bruce form um which is good for all involved um and i guess just taking care of some life stuff with minimal breakdowns i went to the bulgarian migration office twice this week which is exactly as kafka-esque as you would imagine and (laughs) (laughs) and it was fine both times even though perplexingly the woman at the eu desk speaks not a word of english and Bulgarian is not a common language, but that's the country. So that's how it goes. But I've learned enough that I can really just grab onto one word and ride it really far. And that's really what I've learned being here is like, if you do not want to learn the language, you better get really creative with listening. (laughs) Because (laughs) trying to figure out what documents I needed to renew my residency here, well, not speaking to someone who speaks my language and not really understanding the language very well was a little bit challenging. But if you grab onto some words and you play some charades and you really figure it out, you actually, you can do quite a bit. I'm pretty proud that I was able to uh, get through the whole process uh, with minimal, with actually no tears. So Bulgarian residency is in the process of being renewed. I'm not going to get deported. That's good. Um, so yeah, uh, that's my win for the week. Fantastic. Not ending up in a Bulgarian jail for being afraid to renew my residency. I have a feeling the country of Bulgaria is not going to be a sponsor for our podcast. 
I mean, I literally run a website about Bulgaria and Sofia and traveling in Bulgaria. That's the biggest English language website dedicated to the country. And the tourism board has no idea we exist. So the odds of them finding this podcast and realizing that it's me is pretty much none. I will be shocked absolutely shocked the day that bulgaria realizes we have a website about them like it will blow my mind that they even pick that up (laughs) (laughs) there bulgaria is just like anything the the young people in bulgaria and a lot of just like you know entrepreneurs and business people are super smart and sharp and really interesting creative thinkers but it's like anyone who works in a government office it's just like something there's like a lobotomy that comes along with a job and it's like you can't think critically anymore or look to outside resources so um yeah the bulgarian tourism board will not be a sponsor of me ever (laughs) that's fine (laughs) we've had so many potential pseudo sponsors um i mean broccoli council of america (laughs) come for us we're here we're ready <laughs> nice you know i'd even take cauliflower i like some roasted cauliflower sometimes me too me too sweet well i do guess you want to talk about yourself chris because yeah i, I do you, i know I you want to talk about yourself my cat was yelling outside the door and i had to open it just a whisper and he's not even coming in he's just looking at me outside the door kind of being like look what i can make you do what a classic asshole cat move it is pretty classic but he's so cute so that's the, i know that's the cat thing did you ever read the article about like how cat poop emits like a toxic chemical in your brain that m- is part of what makes you love them? Um, I didn't, <laughs> but now I'm very confused and perturbed. <laughs> I'll try to find this article and put it in the show notes, but yeah. Please. Yeah, well, Koto's litter is in my office, so this would be, I mean, and I love him a lot, so this is concerning. <laughs> <laughs> Um, to get to um, more, well, just to not talk about cat shit, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I guess I'll just talk about one thing that uh, I can be happy with. Yesterday, in the midst of the day not being the best, I still managed to go to find a, find a post office that was open and mail out an insurance claim for... <gasps> For an insurance claim that was, I think, about five months old, and it would have, exp- I would have not been able to file it in six months. Couldn't file it online. Didn't get deterred. Printed it off. Filled it out. Got the documents. Sent it off. Wow, I would like to think that our adulting episode guilted you into doing that. And like, a I think you're right. I think you're right. Actually, yeah, that's awesome. That is so cool. We're like therapizing ourselves. I love it. This is, if we weren't called I'm Anxious About, I'd love it if we were called the therapizers. <laughs> yeah. We could just call it I'm therapizing myself. <laughs> that sounds really weird. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It sounds like it should probably be illegal. I was going to say, and we had a Facebook group called We're Therapizing Ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the arrested development, <laughs> like license plate and all of this. <laughs> oh dear oh one other thing i just want to give a quick shout out because chris and i had a really fun monday evening where we were both well it was evening for me it wasn't evening for chris i don't know what he did in the evening maybe his evening sucked but uh we (laughs) 
<laughs> we uh, hopped on a podcast with fellow Torontite. Is that what you call yourself? Torontonian. Fel- that is not a word. Uh, fellow Torontonian, <laughs> uh, Christopher Rudder. And uh, he has a new podcast called Travel Horror Stories. And uh, we jumped on to talk all things travel and anxiety. And it was a ton of fun. And we didn't get a chance to mention that elsewhere in the episode. So I just wanted to uh, jump in and mention uh, that he just launched his podcast and that we're on it. And if you love us, you should probably just listen to us and subscribe to his podcast. Yeah. Um, And at least listen to the one that we're on because we're funny. Exactly. And it was fun to, (laughs) it was really funny for him to talk about listening to our podcast and for him to talk about, like, it, it was also interesting to have a third member on there and he was the host and we were playing guest um but we still couldn't couldn't hesitate to have some of the same kind of bizarro interplay and it was really fun yeah yeah Yeah, it was fun because he he borrowed our uh our intro style of one to insert horrifying situation here yeah he really went really went heavy on that situation (laughs) yeah i mean it it truly set me off on a little tailspin before (laughs) we even started i won't i won't even lie because he named my biggest fear which is like dying in an airplane crash so um yeah that was that was a heavy interesting note to start on but it was a really fun uh podcast he's a great host so uh definitely recommend it and a way just to just to make sure I interrupt you one last time. Um, I mean, please, please, please. Yeah, he uh, he's a great guy, a really good friend of mine. I love him to bits, and there's no denying that his podcast voice just trumps both of ours. Yeah, it's a really good voice. It's not an excuse my California voice. It's like very like it's like very like radio smooth. Smooth as butter. Kind of sultry almost. Like, you know, it's got like some low dulcet tones. It's worth it. Knowing Chris, he'll he'll be listening to this. He'll be listening to this episode. He's going to hear this. He is going to be, uh, he's going to be, he can't take compliments that well, even though he deserves them a lot. So he's going to be, he's going to be all kinds of flustered. So I just want to say, Chris, embrace it, baby. You deserve it. All right. On that note, I think we have said all we needed to say, and we've bothered our listeners quite a bit. We're probably going to want to wrap this up before they start some conflict with us in the comments. I agree. Um, So on that note, I just want to remind you all that we're anxious about is a Facebook group that exists and is active. I am posting memes in there on an almost daily basis. Uh, So if you want some cool anxiety memes and just to hang out with some fellow anxious people on the internet, because the real world sucks and is also trying to kill you. um, (laughs) We're on the internet a lot too. So you can find us at, uh, you can just type in we're anxious about. I don't think anyone else has anything like that on Facebook. Or you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash we are anxious about to join our community. Yeah. And get some cool memes. Yeah. You'll be the first to find the cool memes. Yeah. And then just uh, if you do get a second, it really, really helps our podcast to get visibility and grow. If you leave a five-star rating or any reviews or share it wherever, no pressure, but uh, be appreciated. And hopefully we'll see you on Facebook. Thank you guys so much for tuning into another episode. We can't help but go a little bit longer than usual because we've got so much to say about conflict. But thank you guys very much. And we'll catch you next week. Same time, same place. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.